0: Stamped, Chapter 19, Can't Sing and Dance and Write It Away. Du Bois had now become the older guy hanging around all the young artists up in Harlem. On March 21st, 1924, he'd gone to a club to see a bunch of young poets and novelists who were supporters of his. This event is where he'd met meet many of the young Black artists who would form what's now known as the Harlem Renaissance. And Du Bois wanted to make sure they used their art to advance Black people by getting white people to respect them. It was a new form of uplift suasion, media suasion, which basically just means using media, in this case art, to woo whites. But not everyone was kissing Du Bois' assimilationist feet. There was a resistant group of artists that emerged in 1926 who called themselves the They believed they should be able to make whatever they wanted to express themselves as whole humans without worrying about white acceptance. One of the Negarati's most prominent poets was Langston Hughes, who declared that if a black artist leaned toward whiteness, his art wouldn't truly be his own. That it was okay to be a black artist without having to feel insecurity or shame. They wanted to function the same way as the blues women, like Ma Rainey and Bessie Smith, who sang about pain and sex and whatever else they wanted to. Even if the images of Blackness weren't always positive, W.E.B. Du Bois and his supporters of uplift suasion and media suasion had a hard time accepting any narrative of Black people being less than perfect, less than dignified, but the Nicarati were arguing that if black people couldn't be shown as imperfect, they couldn't be shown as human. And that was racist. It would be up to black artists to show themselves, to write and paint and dance and sculpt their humanity, whether white people liked it or not, whether white people saw them as human or not. And they didn't see them as human. Instead, Black people were symbols, animals, and ideas to be feared. As a matter of fact, in 1929, three years after the formation of the Nicarati, Claude G. Bowers, an editor for the New York Post, confirmed this in a book he wrote called The Tragic Era, The Revolution After Lincoln. Lincoln, Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln had been dead, For more than 60 years but reconstruction if spun correctly could be used as a way to play upon the hatred of racist white people this was a way bowers could tap back into the old days drum up that old hateful feeling rev the engine of racism which by the way was still just as alive and consistent which is why anti-racist artists like the Niggerati found it silly to play into white comfort. Bowers was angry about the fact that Herbert Hoover, a Republican, swept the election in 1928. Remember the switcheroo? Snatching several southern states. The tragic era was meant to remind Democrats, Southerners and racists that innocent white people were tortured by black Republicans during reconstruction. It's almost laughable, almost, but it charged up racists and even sparked a re-release of the racist classic, Birth of a Nation. The argument of the savage inferior black person rides again. It's getting exhausting, right? And this time, Du Bois, who'd been slowly inching toward anti-racism, decided to respond to the Bowers book. Du Bois wrote and published what he thought was his best work, Black Reconstruction in America, 1860 to 1880. In it, he debunked all of Bowers' arguments and described how, if anything, Reconstruction was stifled by white racist elitists who created more white privilege for poor white people as long as they stood shoulder to shoulder on the necks of black people. Whiteness first. Always whiteness first. It was 1933. Du Bois' life as an assimilationist had finally started to vaporize. He just wanted Black people to be self-sufficient, to be Black, and for that to be enough. Here, he argued that the American educational system was failing the country because it wouldn't tell the truth about race in America, because it was too concerned with protecting and defending the white race. Ultimately, He was arguing what he'd been arguing in various different ways, and what Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, Booker T. Washington, Ida B. Wells, Barnett, Marcus Garvey, and many others before him had argued ad nauseum that Black people were human, despite uplift suasion, despite media suasion, despite the fact that the NAACP was under new leadership, Walter White, who had decided to lean more into uplift suasion. White wanted to transform the NAACP into an organization of refined folks like himself, whose mission was to go before courts and politicians to persuade the white judges and legislators to end racial discrimination. But in 1933, Du Bois wanted nothing to do with this method. He had finally turned away from assimilationism. He had finally turned toward anti-racism. So he took off from the NAACP, escaping the madness and bureaucracy, and headed down to Atlanta University to teach. He'd taken up a new school of thought, inspired by Karl Marx. Du Bois broke ground on a new idea, anti-racist socialism. He used this idea to move further into anti-racism, even critiquing Black colleges for having white-centered curriculums or for having white teachers teaching Negro studies in Black schools. The reason he turned such a sharp corner was perhaps because the country had entered into the Great Depression. No one had money. But it's one thing to have no money, it's another thing to have no money and no freedom. So Black people were experiencing a kind of double depression. And even though the sitting president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, a Democrat, had developed an initiative called the New Deal, a flurry of government relief programs and job programs to keep people afloat, Black people needed their own New Deal to keep them safe from the Old Deal, which was the racist deal, which was no deal at all. No. This was the start of the shift where the Democratic and Republican parties start transforming into the ones we have today. It's not that the New Deal didn't help black people at all, it did, just not enough and not at the same rate as it helped white people. And while poor black people were trying to build their own systems, and as elite black people were uncomfortable and pushing back against a voice, he published an article that would rock everyone. It was 1934. The piece was called Segregation. Du Bois sided with his formal rival, Marcus Garvey, stating that there is a place maybe even in importance to a voluntary, non-discriminatory separation. Basically, Du Bois was arguing for Black safe spaces. Spaces that would resist and fight against the media storm of racist ideas that came year after year. From the stereotype that Black people were sexually immoral or hypersexual, or that Black households were absent of fathers, and that this family dynamic made them inferior, or that skin tone and hair texture were connected to beauty and intelligence. Du Bois, without the support of his partners at the NAACP, the assimilationists who were once in line with him, wanted to combat it all.